there. Welcome to Louisiana Farm Life, a podcast where farmers tell their story, who they are, what they grow, and why they do what they do, even what they enjoy doing when they're able to get away from the farm. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers, and I grew up on a farm in Northeast Louisiana. Traveling the state for Louisiana Farm Bureau, my coworkers and I, we've found that there are a lot of really interesting aspects that don't make it into our finished stories that end up on our TV show this week in Louisiana agriculture. Our hope is that you better understand the issues that farmers face every single day and that he or she really isn't much different from you and I. Today's farmers are more than just our food providers or our our clothing providers. They're parents, they're spouses, conservationists, volunteer firemen, mechanics, church deacons, community leaders. They wear all these hats as they spend each and every day working the land, providing the food and fiber that we depend on each day. On each episode, I'll have a conversation with a farmer to discuss life on and around his or her farm. And I love to chat with farmers about their farm and how they got to where they are today. It's a lot of fun for me, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. If you do, please leave us a review wherever you're listening right now and share it with a friend. You can also subscribe to hear the latest episode as soon as we get it out to you. On this week's episode, we chat with a farmer from Tinsall Parish who farms rice, cotton, corn, and soybeans. He tells us how his love for farming grew from being able to go and visit his grandparents on their farm and ride around on the tractor while he was there. He also talks about how important his wife, a school teacher, is to keeping their farm moving. It was a lot of fun to record this podcast, and I hope you enjoy meeting Heath Herring on Louisiana Farm Life. So I'm joined here now with Heath Herring. He's a farmer in Tensaw Parish. Tensaw, yes, right? Yes, that's right. Heath, tell me, what do you farm and uh, kind of about you know the, the breakdown of what your farm is? I farm. Uh, I've always farmed a, a variety of uh, row crops and uh, rice, cotton, corn, and soybeans this year. Mm-hmm. And um, in previous years, I've also farmed milo and wheat. Um, but my breakdown is is probably forty. Uh, I'm I'm pretty close on on acres on everything. I'd just say it say say a thousand acres of cotton rice corn and soybeans okay cool um what do you have a favorite crop of those yeah rice and beans rice and beans your favorite mm-hmm. what is it about those because i have a favorite of those four as well i was just curious what yours was well i and i love cotton too i really do um rice and soybeans and, and the farm the ground i farm it's a real um alligator clay sharky clay gumbo really really heavy um beans and rice just seem to do the best on that type of ground so you like them because they're productive for you yes i got right. you that makes sense I, I every time anytime it comes up i like to tell people how i love how much i love uh cotton and that's mainly because that's what i was raised in um so it's kind of a nostalgic crop that i just i love that for that reason so i actually had that discussion with somebody the other day that's why i was curious what yours was but sure um yeah production production puts money in your pocket so i get that <laughs> that makes sense um that's right and you know cotton really is what put me where i am today you know uh how so and uh well and you know in the 80s and the 90s it was it you know there was cotton was king i mean cotton was the main crop planted in northeast louisiana along with some soybeans and um and then uh, in the 90s corn really came on and people started 
growing corn, started being successful with corn and, and really doing well with corn. And it was a good rotation, but th- mm-hmm. this, and this was before a lot of irrigation. It was a really good rotation with cotton. Cotton did really well behind it. All the corn residue left seemed to hold moisture a little bit longer through the year. And, and, uh, it's a great crop. I love it. And I've increased my acres and, uh, but, uh, you know, it just is not, you know, Sometimes, you, and I guess this goes for every crop, but, you know, you, hurricanes, bad weather in the fall, mm-hmm. things like that can just really kind of um, take away from what you've been building on all year long. And it's just not quite as, as consistent for me as rice and, yeah. and soybeans are. Well, and the thing about that, I, that's from, I remember growing up with cotton, that was the risk that dad was always looking up and looking at the you know, hurricane forecasts, you know, and that's yeah. with cotton, it has to stay in the field a lot longer. Is that, I mean, it's probably a month, a month in the longer. field, long, a yeah. month longer. So that's you're right. exposed for another month into hurricane season. And in Louisiana, that's a big risk, obviously. Yeah, a big deal. Um, so rice and soybeans, you get the, both, of, both of them out and corn, you get all three of those out earlier. So does that, uh, that helps, I'm sure, with harvesting. And I was, I'll ask you about that in a second, but how did you, how did you kind of get, Let's backtrack. How did you come into farming? I mean, were you raised that way? Uh, yeah, basically I was. Um, my dad was raised on the farm, and but he did leave for 20 years, and he came back and uh, started farming with my grandfather in 1979. And uh, shortly after, six months or so after, me and my brother and my mother uh, followed him back. He, had been a, he was an engineer in Houston, mm. a, a piping engineer for an oil company. And... Um, we came back, and you know, I always just love and come visit and see my grandparents and ride on the tractors and just kind of ride around with my granddaddy and, you know, look at the fields and things like that. And I just, it just, I always took to it. And um, so I always stayed real close to it and, you know, I always want to skip school and, you know, help daddy on the farm. And Best course, days ever. Yeah. And of course, he, he, he said, well, yeah, well, we'll see. And he made me stay in school, which was, I know, he knew it was most <laughs> important. But that's how I got into it. Just, uh, um, you know, just kind of being raised on it, even though I was 11 years old when we moved back. And I just, uh, it was just always kind of close to my heart and what I like to do. And and then uh, I, I left and went to college and, and came back home and really didn't have, didn't really have farming in mind as a career. You know, I thought I was going to go another way. I had a degree. What did you go to college for? I, was, I got a degree in airport transportation, which was going to put me in the in the either the airport or the airline industry. Hmm. And uh, I sent out a bunch of resumes, and I was waiting to hear back from them. And uh, at that time, uh, I was uh, I helped Daddy, you know, harvest his cotton crop, and you know things kind of changed for me. I said, "Hey, you know, I haven't really been real serious about this, and maybe this is what I want to do." So I asked him about it, and he said, "Well, let's just see." You know, he said, "Let's try it for a year and see how it goes." And the rest is history. Huh. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So you've been farming now for what, 20 years? Yeah, about 21 or two years. Yeah. 20, 21 or two crops. That's how, that's how, yeah, that's I right. learned that's how farmers count and how, how long they've been farming about the crops they've, they've put in the ground. So 21, 22 years. Yeah. Um, now you have your own kids, right? Right. How I many do. kids do you have? I have two. Uh, Mary Clark is 14 and my son Vance is 10 and, uh, um, growing up fast. Yeah. You know, I, I never will forget when my little girl was born. She's the oldest. Uh, some friends said, you know, just just try not to take it for granted and just enjoy it because you're going to blink your eyes and they're going to be out of the house. And that's that's true. So I got but you. we uh, we're really really have a great family and really in, in, enjoy it. Uh, we were talking earlier at dinner actually about 
what your wife does. Kylie's a school teacher, but she's also mm-hmm. fixing to start taking on more on the farm. I know as a school teacher, she probably still carried some of the load of the farm, even though she probably wasn't, uh, it wasn't on her resume, but it was, it was as a farm wife. What, what sure. did, was Kylie mean sure. to the farm? Well, just a lot. I mean, uh, especially in the summer months when she was off. I mean, if I need help uh, and, you know, didn't really need to leave the farm and she could go pick up parts for me and bring them to the house or if she could help me pay bills, you know, when it's seven days a week and I just didn't have time to do mm-hmm. it, you know. And, and now she's uh, she's been teaching for close to 20 years and, and she's going to she's going to cut back and she's still going to teach for a couple hours a day, but then she's going to get more involved in the farm and the business side and help mm-hmm. me with, with that time. You were talking about you're fixing to be, I mean, your acreage is so spread out. You're, you're all kind of mixed around Tensaw Parish. I'm assuming. Are you, do you Tensaw, in a, a little bit in Franklin, a little bit in Franklin Parish. Yes. So yeah, you're kind of spread out. So it means a lot of more time on the road, a lot less time sitting behind a computer, looking at spreadsheets and looking at bills. And that's, that's right. going to be something she's going to be really helped for. Um, what is it, you know, you've been farming now 20 years, two decades. That's a long time. You've probably made some mistakes. What are some of the things that, maybe not mistakes, but you've been through some tough times. You've been through some good times of probably 2012, 2013, and some good grain grain years. You've seen sure. cotton decrease in acreage a lot in the area. Mm-hmm. What are some of the what's some of the lessons that you've learned in the, your couple of decades of farming in that area? If you're farming, you love it. And that's one of the most important things about your job. I mean, it just it helps so much if you're doing what you love to do. And, um, you know, I just get up every day and I, I try to get up with a positive attitude and no matter what's going on. And I try to start out that way and, uh, you know, just try to do my best all day long every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, sometimes, you know, there's never enough hours in the day and, you know, just don't be too hard on yourself. You know, get out there and do what you can do. Work hard. Try to make the best decisions you can. Rely on um, other people to help you, your consultants, um, folks like that. Don't try to do everything yourself. And, uh, um, you know, and, and that, that's worked for me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they try to do, I see a lot of people try to do everything by themselves. and They just run out of time and it, it you know, they can't get around to everything. And, and I say that kind of, that kind of hurts them. But, um, you know, just, just rely on, on help and uh, through your, whether it's your employees, your hired help, consultants, whoever it is, mm-hmm. and uh, just take it one day at a time. That's an interesting thing you bring it up with the uh, consultants. I did a story uh, for, for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture a few weeks ago about – all of the input suppliers and the people that are involved on the, you know, the giving you the seeds and the fertilizer that you need. But it brought up another story um, in my mind of all the people, all the jobs that are created through agriculture. I mean, you, you employ people obviously, but what, I mean, where could you imagine your, I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like the, the number of people that, help get you either get your crop into the ground from your consultants to you know the guys that are out you know helping you crop dust your fields as you, as you go yeah. in and then the crop dusters the the bankers that help you get a loan or you know there's bankers in the where you sell your crop you know have you ever thought about that you ever sitting around riding around in the tractor or Driving, sure, driving sure. Somewhere. And you know, I left all those people out. There are so many people. I mean, your banker. You yeah. know, you know, he's just not the person that gives you a loan. You know, he he cares about what you're doing. And you know, I mean, 
they want to know and they want to keep up with with what's going on and how the crop's doing and things like that. And you develop a relationship over the years and you learn about each other. And, you know, they know you're out working hard trying to do all you can do. And, and, you know, you just, you know, you you talk to them, you keep them up up to date with what's going on. And, but they, they, they know. They, they know the overall picture of how, of how the year's going for everybody mm-hmm. and things like that. But then you have, say, take, for example, uh, with the rice. You know, I, I farm about 1,000 acres of rice, and uh, there's a lot of fertilization going on there. And well, I'll call the supplier, and uh, I'll say, hey, um, I need to put out 100 pounds of urea on this rice. Which and, is uh, fertilizer. Fertilizer, yes. And, you know, I said, hey, I don't, and... This is who's going to do the flying. I said, you know, he, they, they say, fine, I'll get with them. We'll coordinate everything. Don't worry about it. We'll get it done. And so, yeah, you know, it's it, it's even folks like that, who you're buying things from, who you're, you know, your the services, the, the, the crop dusters, the guys you're buying from, you know, they, they're taking care of things in the background to give you time to do what you want they're, to do. They're like extended employees almost. I mean, or yeah. extended workforce that helps get your, I mean, crop to market at the, at the end of the day. That's right. It's pretty cool. I, I mean... I, Growing up in agriculture like I did, I mean, I've seen those places. I've worked in elevators now, and I've gotten to see kind of where the crop... I was like, oh, wait, that's what happens when the corn leaves the field or when the beans are are gone. That's who grades the beans, and that's who loads the barges. You know, and you start thinking about downstream, literally. Right. It's kind of wild to think about. What about this, uh, Heath? You... You've been farming 20 years now. You don't necessarily, I mean, cotton is, cl- is is the clothes on your back. Rice is food, you know, in our gumbo in Louisiana that we partake in a lot. I mean, the corn that you grow feeds chickens or goes to ethanol or, I mean, there's lots of different places. Right. And then your soybeans goes into a, a ton of other things. What do you ever think about, or I know you, I know you do because we talk about it often in our ag leadership class, but... The misconceptions or the, you know, the, the bad mouthing of agriculture or things like that. What are, I mean, what, 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 how does that make you feel as a farmer that, you know, puts your, your, you know, your, your life into growing those crops that, you know, people wear every day or that are going to feed chickens that they eat at Popeye's or whatever it may be. I think I just think that that so many people, especially in the urban areas of uh, of our country, are just aren't really informed and don't know a lot about agriculture and you know don't know where their food comes from, uh, don't know you know where the cotton comes from that are that they're you know the shirts they're wearing you know they go to the stores you know they buy milk they buy eggs they they go to the uh, you know, your Walmart stores or department stores and, and buy clothes, but they really don't know where, you know, how it got there, what mm-hmm. what, what was involved in getting there. And I think it, it's so important, and there, there's such a push, and there has been for a long time, just to educate people and let them know from, you know, your elementary classrooms on a, just a push of education about farming and, and to let them know how important agriculture is and uh, because it, it feeds the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't go to you don't go to the Albertsons down the road and and get your groceries. They have, there's work that's involved to getting it there. Right. Um, what what's what do you think is you know the message? You know the education. It's broad. Like I mean, how do you say you know 
there's a lot that's, I mean, there's so much into what you do every day. How do you tell that to, you know, someone that's, that doesn't know anything about agriculture? What do you, what do you even say? How do you start that conversation? Do you ever have that conversation? I do. And I have had that conversation. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult, you know, and you have to start out with, you know, just the basics, just the real basics and you know with the 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 chickens laying the eggs and uh you know and and feeding cattle and um just the hours that you put in you know and the hours you put in yes and that that we are you know that we are dedicated we love what we do we do the best job we can we're we're not uh we 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 love our land we're taking care of our land you know Mm -hmm. we're, we're not abusing things we're not um you know we have to spray our, our crops with chemicals no matter what it is. And, you know, we, you know, just, you just try to just kind of start from the very beginning and just kind of lead up and make them understand how important it is and, and what is involved mm-hmm. in getting a product out of the ground to the store. And there's just so many steps. And you think about it, like I right now have a garden. By garden, I mean a few containers of tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers, which is really fun. But on, I mean, for you, you have thousands of acres of garden that you're tending to, and I can't even keep my few tomato plants without getting some kind of fungus on the leaves. And you're doing that on, you know, four thousand acres of four different crops that are all at four different stages of growth, you know, and that's a lot to manage. So, yeah, chemicals are obviously part of the process, but you're not one of the things that somebody asked me about um, the chemicals that are these evil chemicals that you're putting on. But you're you're putting a, you know, a a tiny little bit in a big tank of water that's spreading over a bunch of acres. What I mean, not saying that chemicals are safe or are unsafe or you know what you're putting it in potent or anything like that but i mean when you mix up a chemical tank or or a crop duster load it's not like you're just dousing all of your crops and chemicals is that right i mean no, am, that, am, that's, am I correct? that's absolutely right you're putting a small amount and a large amount of water just enough to take care of the problem you have whether it's a weed or an insect or things like that and and i think what i think a lot of the problem is people don't realize that that how much research and development and the testing that has to be done just to get that product out to market where we can use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just years and years and millions of dollars, you know, to prove, hey, this is safe for food. And this is, you know, we've got this down. You know, this is safe to spray on your crops, and it's not, you know, it's not like you're going to spray a chemical on your crop and it's going to pass over to you at the dinner table where you're eating uh, a chemical. It's and, just, And it's, it's also hyper-regulated, right? Right. I mean, just, you can't put out certain chemicals within certain windows of, you know, harvesting and things like that, right? Right. I mean, it's super-regulated, and, you know, there's, there's just, there's all these rules, you know, so many days... Only so much chemical, only so much, so many applications of whatever chemical mm-hmm. per crop per year. And, you know, we all follow those guidelines. I that, mean, they're there. And and that's all to protect the end user. Right? That's right. I mean, that's, that's, that's what this, that's exactly all this, right. all this is about. And that's one of the things that I admire about farmers is that, you know, working in, in the field that I work in, I feel like maybe I don't know if I hear more or if I'm just more attuned to it or 
because I see these comments, these non-GMO comments with these chemical arguments or, you know, the organic push or, you know, all these different things. I hear that a lot. And I think these farmers aren't trying to put all this chemical on the, on the crop just to, you know, put chemical on there. They're putting it on there so they can grow a, a quality crop that's going to feed a lot of people and, you know, make, a, make you a living at the end of the year as well. You know, exactly um, something my dad tells me about a lot, and we we talk about it is that you as a farmer are helping to feed the country so that I can work at Louisiana Farm Bureau as a, a an ag journalist or PR professional. My wife can be a nurse practitioner. Your wife can be a school teacher. We don't have to worry about where our food comes from because that's you're you're taking that burden off of us as a farmer. And that's one of the things that I think we as consumers sometimes i'm considering myself as part of that we forget that we don't have to worry about that because you're taking on all that risk and so i want to say i appreciate that heath (laughs) well thank yeah well thank you and we're glad to and like i said we love what we do and you know we know the rules we know what we're supposed to do we're not supposed to do and um and i don't know why people think that um you know that that we are just kind of out there doing what we want to do and, and not following the rules. We, we, uh, uh, you know, you put too much chemical on a crop, you're going to damage it. You mm-hmm. know, you, you're going to spend too much money. That's what I was you about know. to say. And at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's just really a lot of, there's a very fine line. There's a very small, especially now in this ag economy, a very small profit margin. Yeah, you're working but, with a very tiny little piece of black before you right. get back into the red. Just trying to kind of stay on top of things. And we're just, we're doing the best jobs we can. We're great stewards of the land. And, uh, and you know, we, uh, we, we're doing things right. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're working hard to do that. And that's not just you. That's your neighbors. That's, that's guys everybody. in the parish next door. That's right. There, there are very few of those bad apples out there that don't really. But you, you talk about you have two kids. You have a ten and a fifteen year old. Mm-hmm. One of these days, it's going to be up to them to work the same land, or you know, somebody in that next generation to farm the land that you're farming right now. Right. That's right. Exactly right. And you, you know, things are just going to, you know, probably become more regulated and and more and probably a little more difficult and and. The next generations are going to come and a generation after that. And, you know, the farmer's always going to be there. And, you know, people have to eat. We have to provide that for them. We're proud to do that. You know, we don't want anyone slapping us on the back and saying, hey, great job or whatever. We just love it. And we want to go out there and do that and clothe them and feed them. And be able to make make a living at the same time. Make a living, yeah. And take care of our families. Yeah. Exactly. We're real quick and i'm gonna wrap this up in a second but we're right now in california we're in carlsbad carlsbad california um on our ag leadership trip we're part of the ag leadership the lsu ag leadership program you and i both are in members of that class and um we're we we actually got to visit with a citrus grower um who grows the avocados and the cuties that we like to eat um but we heard about the regulation um, climate, I guess, here in California, and how, how how heavily it's regulated, and how difficult it is for them, and how expensive it is for them to grow their crops they do here. What, yes. What have you kind of? What did you kind of take away from today's visit? You know, with the climate that we have in Louisiana, not not the 
you know, weather climate, but the climate of the ag economy in Louisiana versus what it is here. Well, I think uh, not just Louisiana, but California versus the rest of the uh, the country in agriculture has it pretty doggone easy. Uh, they're very, very he- heavily regulated here in California. Uh, I-, I was on a cotton pie tour here two or three years ago in the San Joaquin Valley and visited with a lot of farmers and 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 talked about the production, what they did, and they have over seventy local, state, and federal agencies that they have to deal with yearly just to farm. Um, a lot of regulation, a lot of things that, to put it bluntly or not. It doesn't make good common sense, and uh, but we—that's uh, what they chose to do. They know how it is. They love it like we do, and they mm-hmm. deal with it. And uh, we're just—we're uh, lucky that uh, we have it a lot easier than they do. Mm-hmm. But they grow such a variety of crops here, and uh, they make—they make really good yields, and they comply with everything. And it—it—it it, it takes more people to run the farm to comply with these things, and and uh, then there's the legal side of things with water and irrigation. And things like that, but they've got a, a beautiful state, and a and the agriculture is just incredible, and uh, and the commodities they can grow here, and they have shape, they have shape to their land. It's like there's hills and mountains. It's kind of wild, right? Yeah, who knew avocados <laughs> grew on the side of a mountain? I did not. But. I mean, you, you thought you would see an orchard of uh, yeah, avocados. You think we but, can grow some on the one hill that we can find in Louisiana? Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> probably, yeah. probably not. Well, Heath, I appreciate you uh, joining me and telling me something about your farm and some about your experience uh, as a farmer for two decades now in Louisiana. And I appreciate sure. the the work that you do to raise the food that we eat. Thanks. Glad to do it. Thanks for listening this week. Something I totally forgot to ask Heath about was his great taste in music, which is classic country. It's likely he was probably entertaining our ag leadership class with his singing before or right after we recorded this interview. We actually recorded this in a hotel lobby a few weeks ago as we were traveling across Southern California with our ag leadership class. And it was a great trip. We were able to visit a hydroponic farm, a huge tropical plant nursery, uh, the U.S.-Mexico border, right in San Diego. It was really a great trip. Uh, A citrus farm, a vineyard, a flower and vegetable farm. We also got to visit the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley. And even though it wasn't an ag stop, it was probably one of my favorite stops because we got to go and walk onto the Air Force One. And you got to see just, I mean, it's a it's a stop you have to make when you travel that to that area of the country. The trip offered some really great insight into what agriculture is like outside of the Louisiana border. But I know for Heath and many others that brought their spouse, it was even a better trip because they got to share that with them. And uh, Heath got to bring his wife Kylie on the trip, and I know they had a great time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave it a five star review wherever you're listening right now, and subscribe. Your feedback means a lot to us, and we really appreciate it. Also, if you like what you heard, there's a chance you have a friend that would enjoy it as well. Please share it with them. Let us know what you think about the podcast on social media with the hashtag FarmLifePod. This podcast was produced by me, Carl Wiggers, with additional help from Lacey Dodson, Avery Davidson, Neil Melanson, Carrie Martin, and Monica Velasquez for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Also, a special thank you to my guest, Heath Herring. This podcast is a product of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast family. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Mm -hmm.